Happy New Year, Valley Christian Church family. Uh, we are kicking off the new year, same way we did last year, with taking the results from our Christmas Eve survey that you filled out, and uh, we're taking the top five questions that you said, I'd really like to hear what the Bible has to say about these, uh, and, and answering them in our series called Q&A. And over the next few weeks, uh, these, these top five questions that came out of the surveys of over 1,100 people, uh, how do I handle difficult people? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, how do I hear God's voice? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Are we in the last days? And uh, we're kicking off the series by talking about how do I handle stress? How do I handle stress? And that was uh, one of the top ones there. And, and so if you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you'll go ahead and open that up, we're going to look at a lot of scripture and you'll be able to fill in the blanks as well. Because chances are you're going to feel a little stressed sometime in 2017. And, and hopefully we'll give you the tools during our time together that are going to help you uh, to really be able to handle that in a real good way. And here's the reason why. Uh, because stress is an inescapable reality of life. So I, I like how the question is actually posed. How do I handle stress? Because it's not like, how do I avoid stress? You can't avoid it. It is part of the human life. It's a human condition. But, but you can handle it in the right way or you cannot handle it in the right way. And, and so stress is an inescapable reality of life. And the reality is there's all kinds of stress that we have. We have uh, financial stress. We have relational stress. We have vocational stress. Uh, you know, we have physical stress uh, as well. In fact, all those things compound physically. Mental stress, all kinds of different stress that we may have to deal with or have to handle uh, if we're not actually handling them right now. Uh, part of the reason for this, I think, is really... For many people, we try to live life and, and try to fit everything in and try to do it all and experience it all, and it's actually completely impossible. And we, 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 we're all stressed out because we're taking on way too much stuff. So why is it that we're so busy? I think there's a few reasons for it. One, one of the main reasons I think we're so busy is we just have so many more choices than, than perhaps even past generations have had. Uh, it's interesting, you go to a different part of the world. Uh, uh, my wife Susie and I have been to Eastern Europe several times, particularly in uh, uh, Moldova there. And, uh, you know, they're not stressed about what are we going to do this weekend. They're stressed about am I going to be able to feed my children? Not what are we going to watch on TV tonight? We only have four TVs and we have five people in the house. Someone's going to have to watch something for an hour they don't really love. Boy, that's American stress at its most, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's really kind of crazy when we think about it. A lot of the stress comes because we have so many more options than other people do. Also, we have too much social pressure. Our, our culture and society is saying, this is the way, this is what success looks like. This is the American way. If you're really with it, this is how your life is going to look. And it causes stress as we try to run after the American dream, which, by the way, isn't necessarily God's dream for our lives or God's plan for our lives. We're so busy because we believe that we can actually have it all and that we can actually, we've actually accepted that lie that we can actually do it all. Many of us have grown up with our parents saying, you can do anything if you set your mind to it. And they were lying to you. I will never be able to have a baby. As much as I set my mind, I want to be pregnant. It will never happen to this man. 
And that's just one extreme example. But there's a lot of things. I mean, I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. It wasn't going to happen. And it's a lie that we can do anything, that we can experience everything. It's just not true. And so we've bought into that. And we're crazy busy pursuing these things that say, you know, we, we believe that we can do it all and we can have it all. And it just doesn't work out that way. And because of that, we're stressed. We're incredibly stressed. So I wasn't surprised that out of the 14 questions that we gave you, that this is one of the top five. Here's the thing. During our time together, just make it, I want to make it real clear. I'm not going to give you an answer on how to cope with stress. Because we don't need to cope with stress. We need to handle stress and eliminate stress from our lives. I'm not going to give you coping mechanisms because I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm a pastor. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say. It's not a way that we can cope so we can try to keep doing it all and experiencing it all. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a very interesting verse. And I want to start out with this as we, as we start to kind of investigate the answer. How do I handle stress? Because stress is not new. It's a little different in American culture in the 21st century, but it's not new. In fact, we're going to go Old Testament all the way back to Job. We're only talking about 5,000 years ago, thereabouts, give or take a millennia. Job put it this way in Job chapter 9, verse 25. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. My days go by faster than a runner 5,000 years ago. And, and, and follow the analogy, because I just want to run it right through the answer as we look at the Bible. My days go faster than a run. He uses this analogy, this metaphor of like running. It's like zoom. That's how my days go by. And here's the thing, and how sad is this? They fly away without my seeing any joy. Even uh, uh, recently, a staff meeting, I was talking with our staff, our team here at Valley Christian Church uh, about really just, just really amping up our joy quotient. Joy is supposed to be one of the byproducts of a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the fruit of the Spirit, joy. So many of us are really, really busy, but we don't have any joy. We're just fine. We're just okay. And we're stressed. And we don't have much joy. And so I want to just follow this, this analogy We'll get back to it in just a minute, but my days go by faster than a runner. And I want to share with you three principles real quick at the start, the first half of the message of a better life. Because here's the thing, we have to have beliefs that fuel actions. We're going to get to the action part. This is going to be a very, very practical message. I, I, I love practical messages. I love giving them that we can just put a handle on and that help us Monday through Saturday, not just, uh, you, you know, uh, during church time or anything like that. They help us all week long. But, but our actions have to be fueled by beliefs. And so let me give you the beliefs and then we'll get into the action steps that you can take with you principles and beliefs that we can really live by and run with. There's the analogy again. Here's the first principle that's so important for us. 
It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It is better for you and me to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Our, our culture and society says more is better. You got to have more. So not one car, have two cars. You know, you got to have more and more. Not one pair of sneakers, you got to have 12 pairs of sneakers. More is better. More, more, more. Not one wife, two wives. I just want to make sure you're listening. Do two wives are not good. It's not good at all. Don't even try that, guys. Ooh, that's terrible. You know, it's, it's like the seminary professor. Someone once asked him, uh, you know, why does Sol- Solomon, King Solomon, has 600 wives and 400 concubines? And, and the seminary student asked the professor, why a thousand women? Why did he have so many? And the professor answered, he said, because he was just looking to find one that was happy when he came home at the end of the day and said hello. I'm just kidding, ladies. We love you. We really do. We really do. It's a new year. Lighten up. You're so stressed. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what really, really does. So we've got to know what what really matters. What really matters in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 6 puts it this way. Better one handful of tranquility, that's peace, just one handful of tranquility, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Two handfuls with stress. It's better to have one handful of peace than striving, trying to get more, be more, experience more, And you got two handfuls of toil. And it's really just chasing after the wind of things that really don't matter. Here's the second principle I think that's real important in talking about handling stress. It's better to live by design, not by default. It's better to live intentional and purposeful than just just, just going along with the crowd. It's better to live by design, not by default. I've heard it put this way. I think it was John Maxwell that I heard say it. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If, If you don't prioritize your life and what's your number one priority, two, three, if you don't make those values really clear in your people, if you don't make your schedule, someone else will make it for you. It's so important. We have to have these principles. What is first? Or could I put it this way? Who? is first. Who's number one? And then who's number two? And then number three, number four. And we have to prioritize our schedule, prioritize our time around those things. And if we don't, everything's just crying out for the urgent, the voice of the urgent, crying out for attention, crying out more here, more here, more here. And we may find ourselves chasing after the wind. It's better to live by design, not by default. Psalm 139 verse 16 puts it this way. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that God has written every day of your life in a book and he sees the beginning from the end right now? That's why I I believe this with all my heart. We will never find fulfillment apart from a growing relationship with our creator, with God himself. Until we begin to live on purpose, in the purpose that we were created for, we'll never find fulfillment. We will constantly be chasing the wind, running in all different directions. 
God has ordained. Do you know today God has things ordained for you? I love that word ordained. I'm an ordained minister. Do you know what that means? That I have the, the, the right and the authority to do some things like weddings. That I can, I can sign that license. And that, those, that couple's married. I have the authority, the right to preach. And you're ordained too. And, and I don't know if you're aware of it when you woke up this morning. I hope you are when you go to sleep tonight. God has something ordained for you tomorrow. God has ordained a purpose for you to accomplish tomorrow. And if you f- accomplish it, you will feel fulfilled. It's not what he ordained for me, but it's God's unique purpose for your life. That, that's why we have growth track here at Valley Christian Church. In fact, going on right now in all of our services. That in four weeks, just give us four weeks that you'll discover the unique purpose and personality that God created you with and how to fulfill that purpose. It's one of the biggest things, most important things to me as a pastor to help people discover the unique purpose and personality that God has gifted each and every one of us with. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be understanding the design that God has for your life that's where you ultimately find fulfillment that's where I ultimately find fulfillment in my life here's the third principle that I think is really important it's better to get the right things done not more things done it's better to get the right things done not more things just just get stuff done just just being busy because I don't think any of us wants to wake up and we've been so busy and we wake up and we turn around and we look at the last few weeks and months and years of our lives saying, what difference did I make? What difference did I make? It's better to get the right things done, not more things done. Just because we're, just because we're busy doesn't necessarily mean that we're accomplishing anything. I love this in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Many directions. It's like uh, the old saying, if you try to chase two rabbits, you get neither. Focus. So important about focus. Those that, and, and, and it was awesome, just uh, the message that Pastor Stephen gave on, on New Year's Day. And if you weren't here and you hadn't caught it yet, you need to check it out on valleychristianchurch.net, uh, our website. But, but the importance of successful people are focused people. Focused people. Incredible amount of focus. Instead of handing 25, 30 different things, incredible amount of focus in their lives. Where would you get an idea from that, like that from? Oh, the Bible, Proverbs, an intelligent person aims at wise action. What's the wise thing for me to be doing in 2017? But a fool starts off in many directions. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then we look, here comes April. We hadn't accomplished anything instead of being focused, focused. That's the beliefs now I want to talk about the action. Because here's the thing. Like, NFL playoffs start this weekend, right? I, I'm going to make a prediction. Now, I coached high school football for 12 years. I, I played high school football. I've been football, like, sidelines on the sidelines for almost, uh, almost 18 years. I'm going to make a prediction. 
I think I have a little bit of understanding of this. I'm going to tell you right now who's going to win the Super Bowl. You ready for it? The team that out-executes all the rest. That's who's going to win. It's not luck. It's not even skill at that level. It's not greater skill level. It's the team that actually executes the game plan. That's who's going to be the Super Bowl champion. And do you know what? It's the same way with life. It's not just believing these things, even as we looked at those three principles. It's who is going to actually live them out. Who's going to actually put these beliefs into action? Those are the ones that are going to be able to handle stress when it comes. And so we looked at the three beliefs. I'm going to give you real practical now the action steps of how to handle stress right out of the Bible. How, how, let me put it this way. Run your race in 2017. How are you going to run your race in 2017? This idea, this metaphor again of a runner. And I get this not only out of Job that we looked at when, before we looked at the three principles, and this is why I knew you'd, you'd want to follow along in your Valley Christian Church app so you can look back on this, but also in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, puts it this way. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And you know what sin literally means? It means to miss the market, to get off course. That's the definition of sin, to miss the target, the mark that God has for us, the purpose we were created for. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race God has marked out for you is not the race God's marked out for me. God has a different path. He's got a different trail, if you will, in your life, but he has got a race marked out for you. And he's got a race marked out for me. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that's going to keep us from running that path, running on that trail, running that lane. Let me stay, let me put it this way, stay in your lane and you'll be able to handle the stress. Stay in your lane. When I was a quarterback coach in high school, I used to always tell my quarterbacks right before the game, I was like, play your game. And sometimes I'd even say this and they'd look at me like, what? I'd say, play within yourself. I'm not asking you to be Peyton Manning. I'm not asking you to be, you know, Joe Montana or, or anyone like that. I'm asking you to just play your game. Stay in your lane. Play within yourself. Understand who you are and be who it is that you're supposed to be. The race marked out for us. So here it is. Are you ready? Real practical that you can just live these out. Three things. Here's the first thing. Regularly take inventory. I think it's really important. If we're going to avoid stress in our lives and learn how to rather handle stress, we have to take inventory of what's really going on in the inside. This is one thing that Susie and I do on a regular basis, uh, at least on a uh, weekly basis uh, all the time. We try to have a date night. We've always had to do that. We've always tried to do that going in over 26 years of marriage now. Is that we have a time, and we talk about us. And it's really funny, we love having our kids home right now, but we, we have to fight for this time alone a little bit more that the three, our three daughters are home from college. But, but once a week, to just talk about it once a year, how are we doing, how's our marriage doing? How, how do we want our marriage to be better this year? 
than it was last year? What are some areas that we need to grow in that we want to grow in? Then we talk about our finances. Well, what are our financial goals for this year? What is, it that, what is it that we're looking to accomplish financially? Then spiritually, just in personally growing with one another and our, our relationship with God as well. You have to take regular inventory. And by the way, God has this worked into the work week. It's called the Sabbath. It's one of God's 10 commandments to take one day a week where you don't do, where you're not as busy as you are all the rest of the week just doing different stuff. That's not what the Sabbath is. It's where you disconnect, where you focus on your relationship with him, and you take inventory of what's going on in your life. That's what one day a week, six days a week, not five, six days a week is supposed to be work. One day a week, you disconnect, and you take inventory. Where am I at? What's going on? taking inventory and looking inside. Asking myself these questions like this. Am I involved in the right activities? Is the stuff that I'm involved in, is this what's really right? Or am I just busy going in a whole bunch of directions and I'm not really being effective in any of those areas? Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. Look at what the Bible says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. See, don't we do this at funerals? Someone we love passes away and we take that moment and we just kind of like, and we realize this life's just flying. Like Job said, it's like a runner just running, just running right by. But I think God wants us to do it more than just at funerals. And it goes on and it says, my life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is just a breath. Just a breath. I am so excited about 2017. I, I think this is going to be a phenomenal year. And, and, and it's like I, I, in my gut, in my belly, I, I just, I have this, this, this confidence, this excitement. Now, not, not just for me personally, I think for our church family, I think it's going to be a phenomenal year. But there's something at the end of the year I'm not looking forward to. Long about third week in November, I'm going to be 50. And that is some scary stuff going on. 50. Because inside I still feel 24. But then I look in the mirror and it's like my dad is staring at me. Because life just goes by so fast. So fast. In fact, the book of James says it's like a vapor. It's like grass. <sighs> Gone. And we feel like we got all this time. And then we look back. And 50 years are gone. And we realize the finish line is a little closer than the starting gate is. And it's just gone. And so we need to regularly take inventory. Recognize how quick time really does go by. Here's the second thing. Make the tough decisions. 
If we're going to be able to handle stress the way God wants us to, we've got to make those tough decisions. And we all have them. And they come up sometimes and we don't even see them. But that's why we've, we've got to have decisions based on principles, those three principles that we looked at at the start. Be willing to make the tough decisions. Again, the Old Testament, Psalm 90, verse, uh, verse 12, puts it this way. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them, watch this now, as we should. Asking God, am I spending the time on this earth the way you want me to? Or am I spending it the way I want to? That'll cause me stress when I'm spending my days the way I want to. I'll find peace and fulfillment when I'm spending my days the way God wants me to. Teach us. This is a prayer. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Here's the thing, and I'm not not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to give us a big picture. So November, I'm going to be 50. My mom died at 57. Fifty-seven. I've gone to the doctor, which, which she died of the particular form of cancer. It's not hereditary. It's, you know, he said you got more of a chance of getting struck by lightning three different times in three different places in the same week. But but it just it just caused me to pause for a minute. Like seven more years—that's all she had. From where I stand right now. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Because part of being a pastor, I've, I've stood in front of that open casket too many times. The people that thought they had a lot more time and it was gone. Make the tough decisions. Have the courage to make the tough decisions. Susie and I faced a tough decision. I know it might not sound tough to you, but it was tough to me. When after 12 years of coaching high school football, I felt like God said, it's done, it's over. It didn't make sense. I loved doing it. I, I, I experienced a, some success because of coaching a great coaching staff with an incredible two head coaches in 12 years. Won a lot of games. But I just felt like one day in taking this evaluation right about this time of the year of what's going on in my life and where it's headed that God said, that's, that's the over, that's done. I said, all right. It's a tough decision because I love doing it. I told Susie, we talked about it. Told our kids at dinner, they broke down crying. Daddy, please don't. Please, Daddy, don't. I said, I know this is what God's put on my heart. That was last season I coached. It was 2012. Walked off the field, hung up my whistle. Our church has more than doubled since then. God knew. God knew it was just more than I could handle. 
And God also knew me enough that if I told the head coach, I'll coach again in 2013, <laughs> I'd have broken my back to get there to practice every day. Because I believe I need to be a man of my word. And so I had to make that very, very tough decision. Giving up something, watch this now, that was really, really good for something that's really, really great. There would be no Thursday night service, folks, if I coached high school football. That's just one example. This church would look a lot different if I was still coaching. A lot different. If you learn to say no to the things that are good and hold out for the things that are great that God has for you, you know what you'll trade? You'll trade popularity for respect. For respect. If we're just trying to please the crowd all the time, you know what? They'll love us. Oh, man, this is great. He's great. That's great. Yeah, but you know what? All you got to do is say, hey, you ought to be doing this, and he'll go off and do it. But if you make those tough choices based on principle, I don't understand all the decisions that that guy, Greg Williamson, makes, but you know what? If he says he's going to be there, he's going to be there. If he says, I need to hang up my whistle, he's not going to be there anymore. Learn to give up the good for the great. Make the tough decisions. We need regular time of evaluation. It's the first action step. We need regular time of elimination. What is it in 2017 that God even now is saying you need to eliminate that from your life? You need to eliminate that from your schedule. Moms, dads, this needs to be eliminated from our children's schedule because we're really, really busy. But I'm not sure we're actually accomplishing anything as a family, as individuals. What is it that you need to make that tough decision about? It's time to let it go. The Apostle Paul wrote this way in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. I was talking to some folks recently. I said, boy, there's this movie out that I want to go see. It's based on a video game. They're like, what do you know about that? I'm like, I used to play video games like crazy. I, I used to, Assassin's Creed, Madden football. And then one day when I was burning hours, I realized you're acting like a boy. You're a man. Do you know the average American will spend four and a half years watching television in their lifetime? Four and a half years, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365, average American, four and a half years. We say we don't have enough time. I'm too busy. We think that's like the real, aren't you impressed? I'm so busy. What are you accomplishing? Nothing but, man, I'm busy. <laughs> Learning to say no. Paul said, when I was a boy, <laughs> I thought like a boy acted like a boy, but when I became a man, I put those boyish, those childish things. What are the childish things you're hanging on to that God's saying, 
It's time to put it aside because I got better things for you. Make the tough choices. Evaluate, eliminate, and now here's the third thing. Now we have to execute because it all comes down to execution. Just like the Dallas Cowboys, I mean the Super Bowl champs, whoever that might be coming up in a month or so. Here's the third thing. Focus on what matters most. What matters most in this world? What matters most? Your house? Your car? Your clothes? What matters most? God makes it really, really clear in his word what really matters most. Focus on what really matters most. In fact, Jesus gave a whole sermon. You may not be aware of it. He gave a whole sermon on stress and worry. You can read it for yourself. Matthew chapter 6. And here's the conclusion. I, just, I don't want to even read the sermon, but you do it on your own time. Matthew chapter 6. He says, you worry about this, worry about that. And, 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 and you know, worry is just another name for stress. Here's the conclusion that he gives. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Put God first. He's the most important. He says, you're running after clothes. You're running after food. You're running after shelter. Seek God first. Put him first. Let him be number one. Let him be the center. Seek him first in his kingdom, his righteousness and all these things will be given to you when we put God at the center of our lives. And so what, what do we focus on? Three things. First of all, what matters most? God matters the most more than anything else. God matters more. God matters more. God matters more than my career. God matters more than my possessions. God matters more. He matters the most. And God says, put me first and I'll take care of all the other stuff. But you chase after all that other stuff, you're going to be stressed and full of worry and full of fear and full of anxiety. Put me first. Luke chapter 12, Jesus put it this way. And Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Um, all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now that's what the American dream is. But that's not what God says. God says, be on guard. Don't, don't, don't believe that stuff. Jesus says, don't believe that. Don't pursue that stuff. Put God first. Then he tells a parable just a few verses after that in Luke chapter 12, verse 20 about a man chasing after all this stuff, trying to build bigger barns so he could house more of his possessions. And look at what Jesus says in Luke 12. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then you will get what you have prepared for, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Jesus said that, not Greg Williamson. Put God first. Put him first in your schedule. Put him first in your finances. Put him first every morning when you wake up. Put him first. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of us, the first thing we do when we wake up is we check our phone. We check the news. We check social media before we ever check in with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who's first? Who, who's number one priority? 
I was thinking about this, and uh, we're not getting ready to retire or anything like that, but I can see it out there, maybe another, I don't know how many years. <clears throat> and I was thinking about this the other day. You know what I'm going to do in retirement? <laughs> I'm going to go to church every week. I'm never going to miss because I didn't miss church before I was a pastor. Why would I miss church when I retire? Because God is first in my life and has been since I was a young boy. He's first. He's first. I'm not retiring from church. I'm retiring from a job, but not God being first in my life. It's so very important. Seek him first. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Is he first? God matters. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, Apostle Paul put it this way. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. For what? For the sake of Christ. Whatever accomplishments I had, it means nothing compared to my relationship with Christ. He goes on and he says, what is more, I consider everything lost compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, this is interesting, the NIV, this word rubbish, he just cleaned that up a whole lot in the New International Version. Can I really tell you what that word is in the Greek? It's not rubbish. It's not the word for garbage that they use in Britain. Crap is what it literally means in Greek. Dung. Paul says everything else in life compared to my relationship with Christ is crap. That's how valuable it is. That's how important it is. My relationship with Jesus Christ. God matters. Here's the second thing after God. People matter. People matter. This is why in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible tells us, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it goes on and says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. People matter. God matters. People matter. Prioritize relationships. I was thinking about this recently. You know, my mother, and I don't know why, it's just on my mind. My mother only lived 57 years, but you know what? Anyone who met her, they, they would agree with this. She had this in, just incredible ability that whoever she was speaking to in the moment, they just felt like they were the most important person on the planet. She just gave them their undivided attention. People matter. And, and I remember when I, when I did her funeral, she asked me before she died to do her funeral. And afterwards, I'm standing there and people are coming up and they're like, you know what? I just want to tell you, I was your mom's favorite. And then another, I know I was your mom's favorite. One after, I know I was, I was your mom's favorite. And I was like, she didn't even like you. She didn't even know your name. No, I just, I didn't do that. But, but, but. But, but she just had this ability, and, and I have three siblings, but let me tell you this. I was my mom's favorite. People matter. Do you know people like Jesus, that he was nothing like them at all? 
had nothing in common with them. But the way that he treated them, the way that he spoke to them, they're like, I don't even know if I agree with this guy, but I really like him. God matters. People matter. Ecclesiastes 4.12 puts it this way. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Who are you sharing your life with? Who's standing by your side? You're standing by their side. And not just three, it's it's not just talking about husband and wife as important as that is, but there needs to be others as well. That's why small groups are such a huge, huge, important thing in our church. Because we're called to share life with one another. Because we all go through difficulty and challenges, and and we need to have people that are like, I'm there. You know, we talked about this last year. There's a big difference in saying, I'm going to pray for you. And being there with someone saying, let me pray with you. Huge difference. One's a relationship, the other one's a text. Huge difference. Not, I'll, I'll pray for you, let me pray with you. A three, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. God matters, focus on what matters. God matters, people matters. And here's the third thing that matters. These three things together help us to identify what really life is about, how we can handle stress by focusing on these three. Eternity matters. Eternity matters. Jesus told a parable one time about eternity. And and I love this. I'd like to think that, that my life has been really, I'd like to think it's a reflection of this. I hope it is. With the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm trying to live that it would be. Whether I'm a pastor or one day when I'm not a pastor. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy went, uh, then in his joy went and sold all he had. And he bought that field. The the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man found. And when he found what eternity is all about, he was all in. He sold out everything because he knew he found what really, really mattered. And that was more than enough. Eternity. That's what really matters. That's what God is fitting you and me for in this life, for eternity. Average age, I don't know, what is it, 75, 77 years old? What we do here in this life is fitting us for eternity. Are we living the life that God wants us to? Are we prioritizing our life around the things that God wants us to that are gonna reflect all throughout eternity? Or one day, are we going to look him in the eyes and say, uh, that pastor was actually telling the truth. He, he was trying to tell us what really mattered. 
And eternity is a real, real long time. So I don't know about you, but but for me, and I hope for you too, I want to take this just new year and even in answering this question, how do we handle stress? And I just feel like God's saying, put me first. People matter. Eternity matters. Notice the stuff we didn't talk about. All the stuff we're so busy at. All the stuff that we're chasing. All the things we're trying to accomplish to make a name for ourselves. God matters. People matter. And eternity matters. If we'll focus on these things, people God, eternity. We'll look back in January of 2018 and we'll say, God, I had no idea what you had planned for me. Thank you, God, that I prioritized my life around you and your kingdom. And that's what's made all the difference. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to live out what we've looked at today, to walk this out in this year, how to handle stress, to to recognize that you matter, to put you first, to seek you first in your kingdom, to put people, others, to serve one another in love, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and to keep this temporary, this present moment that we find ourselves in to to see it through the lens of eternity. Knowing that you have ordained things each, each and every day that you want us to accomplish and to fulfill. And when we, are, when we fulfill those things on a daily basis, we find ultimate fulfillment. Right now with every eyes, all the eyes closed and head bowed, I'm just gonna ask this question in this moment of prayer. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is he first? What a great opportunity at this beginning of this new year to put Jesus first. And say, oh, Greg, how do, I, how do I do that? It's real simple if you've never prayed the prayer real simple prayer, just simply saying, God, I receive forgiveness because of Jesus, because I'll never be good enough to, I'll never be perfect, and that's what you require, but Jesus was perfect, and he died in my place, and he rose from the dead. I receive forgiveness from Jesus, and I turn from my sins. I turn from doing my own thing, and I want to put you first and recognize that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's all you have to do is receive forgiveness through Jesus, turn from living life in your own terms and recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father, I pray right now for each and every person in hearing my voice 
that his faith rises in their hearts from you to believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, receive forgiveness, and turn from their sins. Thank you for your promise of eternity that waits for those who receive Christ as Savior. In his name we pray, amen.